0: We are now gonna get into our series, Victory, Failure Is Not Your Future. So get your notebooks and pens ready and prepare your hearts to your message from God this morning. Hey, good morning. Welcome to Restoration Church. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Jeremy Arsenault, and I'm on staff here at Restoration Church. Pastor Nate is away this morning, and he asked if I could preach this morning. I'm really, really excited to do that for you. We're starting a new series, a new series called Victory. This series was not initially in the plan for us to do. We felt like this was an important series for us to add in the season that we're in. So we're going to be talking about how Jesus and how God gives us victory over many different circumstances in our life. And how that we don't have to walk struggling through all these things alone. That through Christ, he brings victory to us. What I want to talk to you about this morning is something important to me and something that Haley and I have had to work through, uh, victory over giants. And no, I'm not talking about Jack and the beanstalk or any kind of giant like that. I'm talking a little more metaphorical for us this morning. What I'm really talking about is giant obstacles that, that we've had to face. This is what we're learning about today. So I wanted to start off with a little bit of a story of a giant obstacle that Haley and I had to go through. When Haley and I first started trying to have kids there were there were plenty of obstacles that we had hit i remember when we first found out that we that we were pregnant we had a bunch of people over we had our friends over we had our families over we bought a cake we did this whole big thing we wrote like we're having a baby on the cake and like just flipped it open and waited to see if who would read it, like it was so dramatic, we just wanted to be over the top about it because we were, we were pumped and we were, we were super happy. So we celebrated it, we, we told all our friends, it got around to the church, and then uh, 12 weeks into the pregnancy, Haley um, started bleeding really, really badly. So we went to the doctor only just to find out that the baby was not going to make it. So... So we went home and and we had to spend a couple days for for Haley to recover for for everything that her body was 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 working through. And we had our friends come over and and pray with us. And and you know it was it was really hard for us to get through that. And you know an easy outcome of that would have been, you know what, I'm done. This is this is too hard. This is this is not fun. Like I, I don't know if I can go through this over and over again just to try and have one kid. I don't think the kid's worth it. You know, like that—that was—that's an easy response that that we could have had, but but we knew from from the day that we had gotten married that God that God wanted us to have kids. That that when when heritage became a core value in the church that rung so true to us that we wanted to start a heritage um, with our family name in the church. And so, so we knew, we knew God wanted us to have kids, so what we ended up doing when we when we kept trying, we'd pray every night. We'd pray every night that we'd have a happy and healthy baby. We don't care about anything else. We're not praying for what gender we get. We're not praying for that they're good sleepers when they come out. We're just praying for a happy and healthy baby every night. And eleven months later, we had this beautiful girl. We should have a picture of her. This is Eloise, this is, you know, honestly, when, when I did think maybe having kids weren't too worth it, she changed everything about that. She is my, my best friend, she's my, my fellow chocoholic, she's, we get in a lot of trouble together, we eat a lot of sweets together, and yes, I will do most things if she says, please, cute enough. But, uh, but that's... That's, uh, that's my Eloise, so this, this obstacle that we had to overcome was one of fear and anxiety. Every single time we wanted to go, to go into having more kids, we just had the fear, are we gonna lose another one? Are we, are, are we gonna actually be able to have one? And I remember, um, I remember when we, sorry, there we go. I, <laughs> I remember, uh, fast forward to when we were having our, our second kid, and we got pregnant and, and we we're all excited and, and we, we keep praying again that we have a happy and healthy baby and, and we, we, we tell our family again, we, we make it a big deal. And then 14 weeks into that, Haley started bleeding again. So we, we went to the doctor and, and they said that Haley has a hemorrhage and this baby has a 50-50 shot of making it. And the worst, the worst news that we had to get from that was... Um, the hemorrhage will either stay there the entire pregnancy or get worse. It will not disappear. So you have no hope of coming in in a little bit and, and finding out that it's all better now. Like we had to go through the rest of the pregnancy, is what we were told, thinking may or may not happen. We may be really close and something could happen right then and there and get worse. So we went in and, and you know what we did we went into battle mode. We, we said, you know what? No, we got this. We know what's gonna happen. The same way God protected Eloise is the same way that God's gonna protect this baby. And, and we messaged the church. We sent out a thing on Facebook. We had everybody praying for us. We had everybody uh, working through it, just saying, God, please give us a miracle. Like, we don't wanna have to deal with this. If we have to deal with this the entire pregnancy, that's fine, just protect this baby. And you know what ended up happening? Two months later when we went in, the hemorrhage was gone completely, was gone. So we went through and, and we could spend the rest of the pregnancy without fear and anxiety. We, we, we gave it to God, we prayed through it, and he overcame that obstacle for us. And uh, then uh, four months later, check out this little stud. <laughs> Oh my goodness, he's so cute. I'm always, It's always like um, I was excited that I get to preach and I'm excited that I get to share this story because it's like this stereotypical, I think I've made it as a preacher now because I showed my family. The next thing would be at a youth event, I talk about how attractive my wife is. For some reason, that's what they do at youth events because the youth need that. <laughs> so... But I got to show my kids. So so we, we got to overcome that. That was a big that was a big victory for us that we were praising God for and we were excited for. And you know, there are other giants that others have faced in this church, and they've been victorious over as well. We've seen marriage crises overcame, abuse, um, cancer, starting a new business, accomplishing a giving goal towards kingdom builders. And honestly, there's still plenty of obstacles and giants that we're, that we're attempting to overcome even this morning. And so we're going to learn a little bit more about that the great thing about the Bible, which we believe is, is God's word, is it, it chronicles the experience of men and women who choose to follow God, men and women like, like us. So we get to learn, you know, they faced giant obstacles and they overcame them through God. And the Jewish people, if you read through the Old Testament, the Jewish people faced a real giant. They faced the most famous giant, in the Bible, which was Goliath. Now, if you, if you don't have a Bible or anything like that, we can give you a Bible at the Welcome Center. You can also download it onto your phones. We like the YouVersion app. Um, we think that one is great. So if you guys wanna open your Bibles and you can turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17, we're gonna be jumping around a little bit to, to get through the story. So you can just bookmark it and maybe you could study that throughout the week. That would be something awesome that you could do. But let's... Let's read that together. So we're starting at verse eight. So let's learn about Goliath a little bit. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Now, this was a war that was happening uh, between the Israelites and the Philistines over land. Why are you all coming out to fight, he called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves but if i kill him you will be our slaves i defy the armies of israel today send me one man who will send me a man who will fight me when saul and the israelites heard this they were terrified and deeply shaken now goliath goliath was a giant in multiple ways all right he was significantly larger then the average soldier, he, was, he towered over every single one of them. So he was a giant in stature. He was raised as a young boy as a warrior. He was just raised to kill. That's what he was raised and, and, and bred to do. So he was a giant on the battlefield. And he had a name for himself. He calls himself, I'm the Philistine champion so we know he was a giant by legend as well. So this guy stands up. He's huge. He is known for killing people fast. And he has been given a name among all the other people in the Philistine army as the champion. And he's standing there saying, send me one person. Because I'm one person. So send me one person. We'll fight. And then whoever wins, wins the entire battle. So that battle seemed a little, a little skewed. So who wanted, who wanted to step up and fight, and fight someone like that? Well, believe it or not, it was a teenager, and his name was David. So he was young at the time, but, but he went up to Saul, who was leading the army, and he said in verse 32, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul, I'll go and fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There is no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I have taken care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club to rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it with this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from the Philistine. And Saul finally consented, probably because he didn't want to go forward anyway. All right, go ahead. And he said, may the Lord Be with you. What I love about what I love about this is is we're already learning some principles, all right, to to overcoming some some battles. Whenever a battle comes up in your life, whenever a giant steps into your life, you compare that giant to your God. You compare that giant to what God can do if you listen closely, which even for some reason, his example of like, what are you talking about? I do this, and it's supposed to be no big deal, but he's taking out lions and bears. But maybe that's not supposed to be a big deal back then. They they didn't have iPhones, so they probably spent a lot more time like fighting actual animals. We don't see animals anymore. Um, but uh, so he, he's comparing, you know, he, when he's in the... In the, the the farm, and he's, he's looking at these animals, he's comparing these animals to God. Compared to God, this lion is a kitty cat. This lion is nothing compared to God, so God's gonna protect me. And now, compared to God, this giant is equally as, as hilarious and puny as that lion was to him on the field. He's comparing his battle to his God, and that gives him an insane amount of confidence. So in First in Samuel we keep reading, David replied to the Philistine, "You come to me with sword, spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies." the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your, of your men to the birds and wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God of Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle and he will give it to us. Now, What I love about this, if you read the heart behind what David's actually saying, his taunt back to Goliath is is almost talking himself down. Is almost talking himself down. He's looking at Goliath and he's like, Oh, yeah, well, you know what? By the time we finish this battle, you're gonna look ridiculous because I'm gonna defeat you. And then everyone will know that God's real because look at us. Like, he's, his taunt is his tearing himself apart. He's like, this is, this is gonna be hilarious for us. People will laugh at you because you're about to get killed by a teenager. And so, that's something huge that we can learn in his approach to this as well. Notice, he does not want to accomplish this to prove his worth or to make himself look like he did something great. He knows when I defeat this, everyone will know that God is real, because ain't no way that this is taking that out on its own. And so he, he wanted to show God's strength and Maybe the biggest struggle that you face in your battle against against your giant is maybe you're trying to fight it for your sake, for your name's sake. And maybe you're trying to show people that you can overcome something. And let me tell you what breeds in that is a pride that will let that battle win over time because you'll wanna protect your name over God's name. And that is just something that that is amazing that we see throughout David's life. He always wants to direct things back to God. So let's see how it ended. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him, reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone. He hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. Now he'd won. That's that's amazing. That's an amazing underdog story we get to hear it and we get to celebrate that. But there was a potential there was a potential problem. All right, we know Goliath had a brother. So you know, and and not only that, but yeah, Goliath promised, "Hey, if you win, if you kill me, you have my army." I highly doubt that that was actually how it was going to go down. I'm sure the second Goliath fell, that army went for it, um, albeit probably with wet pants. But they probably they probably went for it anyway. So. So what are you going to do now? You you defeated the one giant, but now this giant has a brother. This giant has a family. They are descendants of these people that tower over you and are huge people. But as we keep reading, we're going to learn this next principle. You defeat one giant and you defeat them all. You start to defeat them all. So now in 2 Samuel, we learn during another battle at Gob, Elhana son of Jer from Bethlehem killed the brother of Goliath of Gath. The handle of his spear was as thick as a weaver's beam. Now, they may have talked up his size a little bit, but he definitely did not get the ginormous story that David got when defeating Goliath, right? They, now they're defeating giants and being like, oh yeah, in this battle, this giant died. Oh yeah, in this battle, oh, this person died. And they're just going on and on and... and The thing that that we can learn from that is, is every battle after that first one, when the giant is beat, every battle after that, you have the confidence in what Jesus has done, right? So then let's take this step a little differently, right? We're not just learning about for us personally, for us by ourselves, right? We're a church, we're a community, we're together. So let's learn this principle. Your faith and your victories feed the faith of other followers, David's closest friend, Jonathan, Uh, Jonathan was the son of King Saul, Uh, David's faith and David's victory brought him so much confidence that it says in 2 Samuel, in another battle with the Philistines at Gath, they encountered a huge man with six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, 24 in all who was also a descendant of the giants. But when he defied and taunted Israel, he was killed by Jonathan, Jonathan the son of David's brother, Shimea. If, if you defeat this giant that you have, this battle that you have going on, what happens to your friends' lives? What happens to your kids' lives, your grandkids' lives? What happens to the lives and everyone in this church when these victories are seen? It feeds their faith. And if we can see one giant overcome, then we can see over and over again, giants that are overcome here in this church. So a couple things would have to happen. You'd, you'd wanna let us know, right? You'd wanna start sharing that God did this for me. The more we talk about what God is doing, and let me tell you, the more we talk about the struggle that we may be having and how we need to get through it and how we need to get past it, the more we share that with other believers, we're going to strengthen ourselves and we're going to strengthen the church. And so there'll be no pride that creeps in because we're doing it for God's name. There's no, there's no fear of judgment because we all know we're failures and God is the winner So and we're giving it to him. So there's no fear when we say, hey, I'm struggling with this. I'm I'm battling this. There's no fear in doing that when you're among believers. Let's feed our faith together, all right? Now, throughout these battles, now, the the Israelites were battling for the promised land that, that God had called them to, but we initially, when we were created, we were not meant for battles. We were not meant for What this is. And there has been the greatest giant of them all throughout the Old Testament leading up to the New Testament that no one in the Old Testament could ever overcome, except for one man. And that man we have been singing about and worshiping this morning, Uh, that was Jesus. See, one of the greatest giants ever to be encountered was born out of. Man's Rebellion in the Garden of Eden, which we just learned about in our, in our last series, so if you wanted to learn a little bit more about some Old Testament context, you can go back and watch that series, it's an amazing series, it was so much fun um, to learn all of that. See, when God created man, he wanted us to live forever and participate in the creation story that he was writing. He wanted us to be a part of it. We were supposed to be in the garden and and help create, help name, help make new things. And we only had to do a couple things. We only had to do one thing correctly, and that was trust God's wisdom. Trust what was good in God's eyes. Let him tell you what's right and what's good And then you have paradise, peace, you get to participate in creation. In some different studies, they talk about creation back then was almost like you'd have a beautiful garden despite of how terrible you are at gardening. Like you'd trip and spill some seeds and then all your fruit would grow. And that's like, oh, okay. Like that was how easy creation was for us before the fall. And now there was a new giant born when we rebelled and we leaned into our own decisions. That giant became death. As we pulled ourselves away from God, the one who holds us together, right, we learned in the last series, the one who holds us together, suddenly we didn't have anything holding us together perfectly anymore, and sin and death entered the world, And you read all throughout the Old Testament of people trying and trying to lean into God and lean into God's understanding and be this perfect person so that they can break this cycle and this chain of of sinful lives. But when you read through the entire Old Testament and even look on your newsfeed or see anything happening right now, you're going to learn we're not very good at that. We're not very good at giving God's wisdom into our lives. And we're not very good at coming up with wisdom for ourselves. So, but one thing man could never overcome because we never wanted to lean into his understanding of good and evil. And let's read here in Romans, Paul wants us to learn something from... uh, uh, about this exact subject. So we're going to start at verse 18, chap- uh, chapter 5, verse 18. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners, but because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Christ Jesus. We can have the band come up. This... This promise written in Romans is a promise to you as well, all right? Every giant, every sin, every sickness, and yes, even death is overcome in Jesus' name. Jesus can overcome every single battle you have in this life, but there's something greater that he can do. He can ensure your victory for the rest of eternity. And you can be in a place with no more giants, no more addictions, no more pain, nothing. Now look at your giant. now look at Jesus and look at what, what we believe he has done when he was when he was buried and, and he died and then he was resurrected saying death has no power and no grip on me and I'm extending that to everyone else how big is your giant now Defying what we call the law of the universe, what, what humans would call the law of the universe. You live, you, you live a short while, then you pass, and you just return to dust. Defying that completely and saying, no, you live forever in Jesus' name. That's what he can do. That's the power that he has. How big is your giant now? Compare it. Not very big. But as we learned, it's leaning into Jesus. It's leaning into God. Don't prove your battle for your own name. Prove your battle for Jesus's name and let them know and let let others know that it was through Jesus that you've been saved. And there'll be no sinful pride that takes over to where you won't talk about your problems anymore. Because we'll talk about our problems. I'm a mess. I'm an absolute mess. but Jesus keeps saving me from the same exact mess every single time. And he keeps returning me back to him. And you know what? I have victory in him despite my struggles. Let's pray, all right? Let's pray together. Jesus, we love you so much. Jesus, we pray right now that we give every giant, every battle to you, God. And we stop trying to go about things in our own strength, God. God, you turn, you turn every giant down to nothing. You turn every struggle to nothing. And we love you and we praise you and we thank you for that. God, I pray that as we keep moving, you keep feeding our faith with every victory that we see within this church, at every location, at everything that you're doing. I pray you continue to to move in a way that feeds our faith and we become a church that is so devoted to you and loving you and following you that there is nothing that we can overcome in your name. And I pray that when people talk about the victories happening at Restoration Church. God, I pray honestly, our name is one of the last things that are ever mentioned, and it's just your name that's getting praised, and it's just your name that's getting worshiped. And that we never even as a church accomplish anything, but it's what you accomplish through us, God. Be with us. God, as we go into these battles, For some of us, this is our first giant. For some of us, this is the first battle we've actually gone into with you by our side. Change our approach. Change how we view the issue. Bring us peace and love and help us to overcome everything that you're calling us to overcome for your name. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, hey, if you... If you decided this morning that you're sick of doing these battles alone, Jesus is here and he wants to go through it with you as well. So if you're deciding right now that you want to follow Jesus, maybe for the first time, or maybe you want to for the first time go through a battle with him, there are a couple ways that you can respond. If you haven't filled out a connection card, there's a spot that you can fill out. I decided to make Jesus my savior today. You can fill that out and let us know. We can follow up with you. We can help you move forward in that. When you, when you sign up for something like that or when you put that on a card, it's not just you fill it out and you walk away and now everything's good. We wanna walk through it with you and we wanna be with you while that's happening. So we want you to fill that out or tell someone. You can go to the Welcome Center second thing is if you haven't ever before and, and if you have decided today or, or maybe in the last coming weeks that you want to follow Jesus, we have baptisms for second service, but it's all set up right now. And we, we'd love to, to baptize you. And, and what baptism is, is, is symbolically saying, uh, I am buried with Christ and I'm laying everything down and I'm raised into a new life. And now you're battling with Jesus on your side and the entire battle changes, all right? So you can do that. When they're gonna sing, the the prayer team, Pastor John's gonna be up front and and I'm gonna be on this side. We'd love to either pray with you and just help guide you through the steps of following Jesus, or if you wanna get baptized today, there's nothing holding you back, all right? And we'd love to do that. All right, so we're going to sing. Why don't you guys stand to your feet? We'll be here, and then Sharon will dismiss us after, all right?